Good morning, everybody. Let's stand together as we sing praises to our Lord and King, all right? tries to roll over my bones when sorrow comes to steal the joy I hold when brokenness and pain is all I know I won't be shaken I won't be shaken my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your Stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. Amen. Sing. Sing. no longer has a place to hide. And I am not a captive to the lies. I'm not afraid to leave my past behind. I won't be shaken. I won't be shaken. a familiar passage what then shall we say to these things if God is for us who can be against us he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all how will he not also with him graciously give us all things who shall bring any charge against God's elect it is God who justifies 
Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Aren't you glad as you came in this morning, we all came in. We had different struggles, different issues this week, but none of those things can separate us from the love of Christ. So we gather together to celebrate that love. We celebrate the work that Christ has accomplished for us. And so, so glad that you're here today. If you're visiting with us, just want to encourage you to take a moment to fill out the connection card that's in the seat back in front of you. Um, would love to connect with you afterwards. If you're visiting, we have a gift for you out in the foyer. Would love to give that to you once worship is over. But thank you for being here. At this time, we're going to move into our time of offering as we continue to worship um, as we give back part of what God has given to us. So let's pray together. Father God, we come to you. We thank you, we praise you. God, thank you for just this opportunity we have to worship you. So God, would you be in our midst today? Would you speak, would you move? God, help us to worship you. God, would you take these simple offerings and use them? Our name being known, it's all about you. We love you. We praise you. We pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen. i 
testify to the fact of your faithfulness to us God in all kind of situations we've seen you be faithful then and so God we believe and we know that you'll be faithful now not just now but forever so Lord we just give you the praise and the glory for that bless this time as we go into the uh, time when we'll hear the word preached I pray it be with our pastor today God have your way move in this place see things happen just want to see you move and touch lives, change hearts. We pray all these things believing in you and having faith and trust in you. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Again, it's good to see you this morning. Um, I apologize, we, we're having some technical issues up top, um, but worship still sounded great. Um, for
another sensitive subject. We've it's kind of a theme that, that James has been hitting on throughout the entire book, namely our speech, our tongue, how we talk is, a, is an issue that James really focuses on. Now, if you're like me, um, I, I've, I've been diagnosed with a condition called foot and mouth disease. If I am not careful, I will quickly find my foot inserted into my mouth. Anybody else have that? Anybody else struggle with that condition? Um, I've, I've shared stories before. One of my, one of my favorites was, and I think I've shared this story, um, a couple months ago, I was going through the drive-through and I was on the phone with Whitney. And she hangs up, she says, love you, bye. And as she hangs up, um, she says that, and I'm reaching for my food. I look at the, the cashier in the window, and I say, okay, I love you. <laughs> and Whitney had already hung up at that point. And so she said, sir, I'm just going to give you your food. I, I, don't know, I don't know what to say right now. And so I just quickly sped off from the drive-thru. Um, foot in mouth. And then the, when Whitney and I, when we were first dating, she likes to bring this up from time to time. Uh, we'd only been dating a few months, and uh, Whitney had a set of grandparents who've now since, to, since gone on to be with the Lord. Um, but we were dating a few months, and the bad part is we had uh, we'd gone out to eat with these grandparents several times. And throughout the, the course of this, um, we... I happened to ask Whitney one day, I said, so, so how's Frank doing? Frank was not her granddad's name. Still trying to learn names, um, but foot, mouth disease. Challenging us to do as believers is to consider the way that we speak how do we communicate? How do we talk? What does our lips and our tongues say about what we truly believe as followers of Christ? Because you see, James has been dealing with this issue in a variety of ways. We looked at last week someone who would say that they're a Christian, say that they have faith, but their life doesn't demonstrate it. They would say that they're a believer. So their, their lips say one thing, their life says another. They together. Oh, how I love Jesus. Words with. That out of our mouth says one thing that I speak Kate says something else. So James chapter three. We're gonna look at verses one through twelve this morning. So we're gonna read through the text and then we're gonna notice a few things. <coughs> so starting at verse one, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Uh, 
for we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set afire, ablaze by such a small world of unrighteousness staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things, salt water, can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you again for this opportunity we have to worship you. God, we pray now as we break open your word, God, would you speak to us? I know it's a difficult text that we're looking at today, a, a text that's entirely applicable to us. And so, God, would you speak? And God will give you all the praise, all the honor. Softening the blow at all. He's not pulling any punches. He makes his point rather clearly that the tongue can be a dangerous thing. And so we see three things I want us to take notice of in this text. First, in verse 1, we see the responsibility of the teacher. The responsibility of the teacher. So James says, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. So he starts off with this warning to the church. And so as we've kind of followed the flow of James, we, we left off last week, we had Coach's Day. And just on a side note, thank you for everybody that was here and served at Coach's Day. We had an awesome time last weekend. Um, and thank you for everybody that helped serve lunch and get everything together. Um, we had a ton of coaches here. We had a fantastic day and just nothing but positive things from those coaches that we got to spend time with last week. But before that, we ended chapter 2 with this idea of faith and works. And so James feels the need to kind of just pause and talk to teachers for just a minute. But really not just teachers, those who would aspire to That as he's looking at the church, he's saying, not, not all of you should become teachers. Why? 
because he wants them to understand that there is a greater judgment that is to be given to those who would teach. Why? Because two two things. His word seriously. God takes his word seriously. So those who teach must take seriously his word. Understand that anytime we stand to teach or to preach from the word of God, we must take it seriously. That as a pastor, I am not free to say whatever I want to say or say whatever I feel like should be said. I am bound by the word. That my job is to preach what God has said, not what I think God should have said. God takes his word seriously. But then second, God takes his people seriously. That God cares about his people. And so when teachers are teaching God's people, he takes that seriously. When preachers and teachers and pastors are feeding the flock, God cares about that. God takes that seriously. God doesn't desire you to just eat anything that comes across the table spiritually. God takes that seriously, which, I've, which is one of the reasons I've shared before, really one of my just kind of core convictions as a pastor is that when we gather together, your greatest need and my greatest need week in and week out is to hear what God says. Like you, you don't need my opinion, you don't need my philosophy, you don't need any of that. You need to know what God has said. And so God takes this seriously. And so he says, not many of you should become teachers. Why? Because you need to understand the weight of that role. That it's not something that should just come about flippantly or carefree, that there is a weight to teaching. There is a weight to standing before your life group and teaching the word of God. There is a weight to standing before students and children and teaching the word of God. There is a weight to standing up here and proclaiming the word of God. There is a weight to that, that we should not be casual about. Because James says, for you will be judged with greater strictness. That when the day comes, the day will come when I will have to stand before Christ to give an account for how I pastored Airline Baptist Church. And you've heard me say it before, that is a far more sobering reality than having to go stand before our deacons and give an account. 
That's a far more sobering reality than standing before our staff and giving account an account. That the day is going to come when I'm going to have to stand before God and give an account for how I pastored, how I preached, how I handled his word. So this is kind of James' segue into his discussion of speech. Why? Because who do we hear the most speech from? Our teachers. So he says, understand you're going to be judged with greater strictness. So we see the teachers have a responsibility first and foremost to lead the way in this. And so what does James do? So we see the responsibility of the teacher, but then second... We see the rebellion of all figured out. Because at this point, it, it could be as this super special. stumble ways. He says, if anyone does not stumble in what he says or in his word, perfect man. This is the point that James is setting up, that you have the whole body in the smallest piece, one of the smallest pieces of your body, that tongue. If you could bridle that, you can be whole, complete. And if that small piece is bridled, the rest of it can be bridled. But it's this small piece that's oftentimes the most difficult piece to bridle. And he gives this illustration, he says, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. So, so his first illustration, he goes, look at, <coughs> look at horses, this massive beast. I have rode a horse one time, times to ride a horse. I got launched off before we even got out of the barn. You can ask Whitney. It's a terrible life ordeal. So my whole life flashed before my eyes. So I have of one time. But these things are massive. They could trample a human. They could, they could exert their will and go wherever they want to go. But James goes, you just put that little bit in its mouth. And all of a sudden, the little human that should not be able to dictate anything to the horse is all of a sudden able to dictate to the horse where it should go, what it should do, all of these different things just by a little bit in the mouth. So that's his first illustration. Then he gives another illustration. He says, look at the ships also. Though they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small 
rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So he goes from, look at the horses. Propel it forward. What is it that guides the ship and directs the ship? It is the small rudder. It's not this massive piece of the ship that directs it. It's the small little rudder. Small, yet it great things. He says, in the same way, you and I have this tongue. It's not the biggest organ, but it can cause just as much damage as any. Forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. Like it, forest fires start most of the time. Sometimes it's just through a lightning strike, but sometimes it's just through a small little spark that goes off and ignites the whole forest and everything is destroyed simply because of a little spark. How many times in your life has a forest fire gone off simply because of one or two misplaced and ill-timed words. Like some of you may be like, Pastor, that was us on the ride to church this morning. How many times in our homes, in our marriages, does a forest fire go off because we lose sight of the power of that little spark, that little flame. What about on a corporate scale? How many churches have been burned down, not literally, but metaphorically, how many churches have been one or two unchecked words? This is the point that James further into we have to eight a and he says and the tongue is a fire. So in case we were, there was any level of confusion about the illustration that James is giving, he says, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. 
Do you notice the progression that James gives here? So the tongue in and of itself, unchecked, unfettered, unbridled. What does he say? It's a world fire the entire course of life that it can spread and set on fire by hell. This is the ultimate destination. He says, understand the weight of this. Understand the gravity that your tongue has. He says, they can do more than just and a path that you and he gives another illustration he says for every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind so he goes look at the animals that we've tamed which I've just always wondered how that went. Like who was the first person that looked at a wolf and says, it's coming back with us. It's gonna come live in our house. I just, that's just how my mind works sometimes. He says, so we've tamed all these kind of beasts and birds and reptiles and sea creatures, but no human being can tame the tongue. Notice what he says. It is a restless evil full of deadly. Like this is, this is the half brother of Jesus. He says, it's a restless evil. Like a, a tongue that is unchecked and unbridled. He describes it as restless, like it's, it's looking for evil to participate in. And it's full of deadly poison. You see, there's a reason why the book of Proverbs says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. You see, we, we oftentimes throw around the phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Whoever originated that phrase was not familiar with the Bible. Because <laughs> James says it's deadly poison. And Proverbs says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Now, this isn't some kind of name it and claim it, speak it into existence kind of passage. But both of these highlight the power our words have. That I have the opportunity to speak life, to build up, to encourage with my words. 
or I have the opportunity to speak death and to cut and down and poison you with my words. Those words that we say, they have power. They have influence, they impact one another. That when it comes to my marriage, I have the ability day in and day out to either speak life or to speak death into my marriage. When it comes to my job, when it comes to how I interact with Mike and Taylor and Clint, I have the opportunity to speak life or to speak death to speak life or death to you. And you have the same opportunity. In your life, in your job, in your man, are you speaking life? Are you building that we can't minimize the importance of this. To what they say, which then brings us to our third point, the reality of the tongue. Verse 9, of God, come blessing and cursing, my brothers, these things ought not to be so. You see, here's the reality that James is dealing with. Here's why this is so important. Because on the one hand, they were blessing God. They were saying the right things vertically to God, about God. But they were saying the wrong things horizontally to one another and about one another. And James is going, how can both of those things happen at the same time? How can we bless God on the one hand? How can we get together and sing, oh, how we love Jesus? And those words come out of our mouths. But on the other hand, we talk about one another. Talk behind one another's backs. Belittle one another. The language that James uses, curse one another. He says, my brothers, these things ought not be so. And he gives us a couple more illustrations. He said, does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? He says, so picture a spring and water pouring forth from this spring. Is it possible for that spring to both have fresh and salt water? And the answer that James is implying is no. That from this spring can't be useful fresh water and detrimental salt water at the same time. 
And he gives another. He says, can a fig tree, my brothers, bear or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond produce fresh water. So can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? You see, if something is of a particular fruit or vegetables, it's going to produce that fruit or vegetable. How many of you are gardeners in here? Got a, got a few. Yes. Don't say it's a miracle of God. You look in there and find something on that you did not plant. And this is the point that James is making, that we are a new creature. Because of the work of Christ, because of the gospel, we are brought from death to life. Different as a new creature. So this brings us to our central idea this morning. The gospel moves our entire being from death to life, including our lips. The gospel moves our entire being from death to life, including our lips. Now, James makes it clear that this is a difficult task. This is a hard task. This is not something that is easy by any stretch of the imagination. It's difficult. It requires the sanctifying work of Christ in one's life. But the question we must wrestle with is, is the fruit of my mouth consistent with what Christ has done in my life? As the band comes back to the stage, I hope you hear me this morning that this has been a, a balance throughout the book of James for us to understand that what James is talking about conversion, a life after coming to know Christ, that this is not a message of do more, try harder, be better. This is a message of, is Christ working this in your life because of the work that he has already accomplished for you? And so as we examine our lives and we think about where we are today, the question is rather simple for us. Does the fruit of my lips match the fruit of my life? Say, I've been changed by the gospel. I don't do the things I used to do. Praise the Lord for that. 
My feet don't go where they used to go. My hands don't do what my hands used to do. Praise the Lord for that. But what about that? Are you using that for God's glory while at the same time the tearing down of others? Brothers and sisters, that is inconsistent with the gospel. And so for some of us today, it, it may be that we just need to do some business with God and lay that before him. And go, God, we rec recognize we're not this correctly. That on the one hand, I'm blessing you, and on the other hand, I'm cursing others. On the one hand, I'm talking about how much I love you, and then on the other hand, I'm talking about how much I dislike so-and-so. Today may be the day we have to lay that down before him. And go, God, would you give me fruit in my lips that matches the fruit that you've given in my life? And find that in him. So as we close, if you need to come pray, this altar's open. If you need somebody to pray with, I'll be standing over here to the side and Pastor Clint will be standing over there. I recognize it's not an easy message. This is not a message that we will leave here going, man, that was an awesome message. But I believe it's exactly where God has us as we're working through the book of James. Because I just can't help but wonder, what would it look like in the life of a church if we were radically marked life to one another? Like, what would that look like if like somebody just showed up at airline one Sunday and they left there going, man, they're just so loving to one another. They're just so encouraging to one another. They're always just building each other up. It's gross how much they're building each other up. Like what if that was the defining characteristic of our speech and our words? What would that look like? Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We praise you. God, we pray now as we respond to your word. God, show us the areas in our life where the fruit of our lips does not match the fruit of our life that has been accomplished in the gospel. God, would you show us that this morning? We love you. We praise you. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand as we respond today.
Amen. Uh, thank you so much for being here today. Just a couple quick announcements before we dismiss. Um, this coming Wednesday is going to kind of look a little bit different. We're still going to have Wednesday night supper at 530. Um, and so I encourage you to come be a part of that. And then immediately after that, we're going to have a student ministry night in here. And so adults and students are going to be together um, for Wednesday night worship in here. Um, so I encourage you before when it comes to student ministry model where the students are kind of siloed off by themselves and we wait until they turn 18 and then okay you can come be a part of the big church now um, I, I, I don't particularly care for for that model and so I want us as a church body to be involved in the lives of our students 
And so this is an opportunity for you to come be a part of, with our students that night. But then as well, if you're a parent or a grandparent, um, you may have students in the student ministry. This is an opportunity for you to really kind of hear and see what goes on on a typical Wednesday night and be a part of that. Um, and so just encourage you to be here Wednesday night supper at 530. And then everyone in here. we had talked, we are going to move on the 22nd. And with that as well, we'd originally said this Sunday was the deadline for deacon nominations. Um, we're going to bump that deadline to the 22nd as well. And so if you if you haven't submitted your deacon nomination form, there's still some in the foyers. And so I encourage you to grab one of those on your way out, be praying for our deacon, deacons this upcoming year. Um, and so those deadlines will be the 22nd to have those submitted. All right. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm going to ask Mike to close us in prayer, and then we'll be dismissed. It's a wonderful day, God. Thank you for our time together as we've praised you, Lord. We've, we've been in your word, and thank you for all the teaching and the preaching, the singing. Lord, to come together as a church family every week is just a blessing and, and just so much joy to be able to do that. So, God, I pray that you'd, you'd, you'd be honored and glorified through what we have done to lift you up and to praise you today. God, I pray you'd equip us and give us the ability to be examples of your love and, and your goodness this week in everything that we do on our jobs at home, wherever we might find ourselves. God, that we would show others the love of Christ. God, help us to share the gospel with someone around us this week and, and just let them know that there's a God who loves them and wants them to come to him. Father, we thank you again for this wonderful day now. You, God, have your way in our life in this week and everything that we do. And we'll be careful to praise you for everything in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen.